Well, good morning. I am not Mike Lynch, so I'm glad to be here today. I'm in a small group of Mike, and last week, one of the guys in the group was challenging me to wear the Mike Lynch uniform on Sunday, the Under Armour shirt, untucked, flip-flops, but I I didn't have the guts to do it. Uh, I love Mike Lynch, so thankful for him. I know he and Ann got to celebrate last night. Casey and Kelsey got married, so so much fun for them. Yeah, give them a round of applause. I hope... Uh, normally, I'd say I hope you're watching church. I hope Casey is not. Now, I hope they are on their way to a great honeymoon. Uh, excited to be here. I, as uh, Seller said, I work in a business in the community, a company called Addo. Addo is the Latin word for inspire, and we train leaders and do programs at schools. Uh, love the Windshape folks being here. We do some work with Chick-fil-A and a high school program called Chick-fil-A Leader Academy in about a 1,000 schools around the country. So most of the time, I love my job. It's pretty good. But have you ever had a couple weeks where you didn't love your job? Anybody been in some of those seasons? The last couple weeks have been a little bit of those. It's just, it's just not fun. So I was thinking about what I wanted to be when I grow up, and I have decided, I've landed on it, I want to be a weatherman. And the reason is, is because it's the only job I know of where you can totally screw it up and get it wrong, and you still get to keep your job. I mean, it's a great gig, so I'm thinking I may study that at some point. Thinking about the weather, there was um, this guy driving through Texas. He goes to the gas station, and he sees this little string hanging outside, and over the string, it says, weather forecaster. Some of you heard this before, and he's like, how does it work? And he goes, it's, it's really clear. If it's moving, it's windy. If it's wet, it's raining. If it's frozen, it's snow. And if it's gone, tornado. So... It's really simple. It's like that's about as effective as a weatherman at this point. Now, a weatherman is just predicting the future. Now, they, I'm not dogging weather people. I know they got some graphs and things they use. But it's interesting that in the series we're diving into today, we're going to be talking about this Old Testament prophet named Elijah. And these prophets, they weren't like weather people. They didn't just think, oh, this might happen or we think this is going to happen. They were sent from God for specific reasons at specific times to specific people to deliver a message from God. And in the story we're encountering, and you got to get this because the next few weeks we're going to be talking about Elijah here, Michael will be diving in next week. It's important to understand what was going on in the world and why God chose to send Elijah at this time period. In fact, as we look in here, uh, I always, has anybody tried to read the Bible through? I've, I've tried to do that multiple times and sometimes I struggle Kings is one of the areas, first and second Kings, where I start to get off because it's talking about, well, this king was reigning here and this king was reigning here. I didn't even realize there was actually, the nation of Israel had been divided in two at this point. So when it says there's two different kings, that's because there were two different areas. And so at this point in 1 Kings chapter 16 and verse 30, it tells us what's happening here that Ahab, the son of Omri, he's one of the new king. And it says that he did evil in the sight of the Lord. And look what it says next. More than all who were before him. Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil. And that was saying a lot because Ahab's daddy, Omri, he was a pretty bad guy as well. In fact, five verses before it said, verse 25, Omri did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. More evil than all who were before him. Nobody had ever been as bad as Omri until Omri had Ahab. 
And then Ahab somehow was even worse. What was it that Ahab did? He set up these idols to this group called Baal, and we're gonna learn this other one called Asherah. He, he married this lady named Jezebel. Just everything he could possibly do that was wicked to move the nation further away from God, he did it. Look at verse 33 with me. It says, and Ahab made an Asherah, that's an idol, and Ahab did more to provoke the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger than all the kings of Israel who were before him. He did evil, he was worse than all who were before him, and he did more to provoke God than any before him. And all of the sudden, some guy named Elijah abruptly arrives on the scene. Look at verse chapter 17 with me. It says, now Elijah the Tishbite of Tishbe in Gilead, short version says, now Elijah from the place you've never heard of, said to Ahab, as the Lord the God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. He comes as a prophet, not as a weather forecaster to say, hey Ahab, you're the worst there's ever been, let me tell you, there's about to be a drought in this season. And it says, and uh, the word of the Lord came to him in verse two. Verse three says, depart from here and turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. You shall drink from the brook and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he, this is Elijah, went and did according to the word of the Lord. He went and lived by the brook Cherith that is east of the Jordan and the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening and he drank from the brook and after a while the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. Two more verses. Then the word of the Lord came to him, arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for this story of Elijah. God, I pray this morning that you would speak to us through your word. God, that we would see you and encounter you in a fresh way today, and we would leave here changed ready to do what you've called us to do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So there's these problems going on. They were in a crisis situation. The land had, uh, was about to be in a drought season. The kings had been evil. They had taken people away from God and God sends a guy named Elijah. And that's good news for us because the first thing we need to understand about Elijah this morning is that when you and I are in a season of crisis, when we're in a season of challenges, God provides the people we need. God provides the people we need. And it's interesting, we don't learn a whole lot about Elijah. We just learn a few things at the beginning. Number one, we learn his name, Elijah. Elijah means the, my God is the Lord. My God is the Lord. So Elijah means, I'm coming, my name even means that I am a representative of God. Then we learned where he's from, the Tishbite of Tishbe and Gilead. Are any of you from a town that's so small that the way that you help describe it is by a bigger small town you point people to? Some of you, that's, I mean, my wife, when people ask where she's from, she says South Georgia, and they say where, and she says McRae. And some people know, but a lot of people kind of do this sideways turn like that. And she goes, you go to Dublin and it's 30 minutes south of there. She's using a little bit bigger of a city to navigate. Elijah's from kind of nowhere and he shows up. And the first thing we know about him, we don't have a whole lot of context. He just shows up and he stands in front of the most evil king there had ever been in Israel. And he speaks truth to power. And he says, listen up, buddy. There's gonna be no rain, not even dew for the next few years. This is going to be a problem. It is interesting that 
God uses crisis situations to put people that we need in place. Don't you think about that? If we think of some of the great leaders, like I think of Winston Churchill, but would we know about Winston Churchill if there had been no Hitler? Or we think about Martin Luther King Jr., but what would we know about him if we had not had the civil rights challenges? What, if, if there was no crisis, there would be no need for who God has called to stand up. If there had been no Ahab, we wouldn't have this need for Elijah here. So in the crisis, in the problem, God sends who we need. What's interesting here is there is a spiritual crisis that leads to a physical crisis. I don't know about you, but I feel like a lot of people are in a crisis situation right now. There's spiritual crisis. There's areas of our life where we're further from God than we need to be. Our faith's not what it needs to be, but it often leads to physical crises. There's the doctor's report that's bad, the marriage that's falling apart, the challenges with the kid. There's anxiety and depression, and, and so many people, even financial situations now, you feel like you were going along pretty good, but the inflation has gotten worse, and now you're trying to figure out how you're gonna make it And in the crisis situation, God always provides the people we need. And I want to go ahead and jump ahead just for a second because I want you to get this. When you're in a crisis situation, God will provide the people you need. But I also want you to know that you may be the person that God is trying to provide in the crisis situation. You may be the person that God is calling up. The way that he raised up in Elijah, he's raising up because I'm gonna tell you, when you look at our culture, y'all, we work in schools and we work in businesses and in corporations. This world needs Christians who are willing to stand up for what we believe in. Stand up, not be mediocre and fade into the background, to get off the sidelines and onto the front lines. People that are willing from schoolrooms to boardrooms, from young people to old people to stand up, stand strong, and stand firm and say, this is the truth. And God may be calling up people in this room and watching online right now. In this situation, God provided the person that we needed, and that person was Elijah. Okay, you gotta see this though. God doesn't only provide the people we need, Because some of you say, okay, I'll be that person, but what do I do? God also provides the plan we need. He gives us the plan. In verse two, it says, the word of the Lord came to him. This is Elijah. The word of the Lord. At that time, God was speaking to him, but let me tell you, our plan for me and you is found in this book. God's plan is in the Bible. It tells us what we need to do. And then it gave him specific instructions. Depart from here and turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. You shall drink from the brook as I've commanded you and the ravens to feed you there. Look at what it does. It does everything. He did everything in that season that the Bible tells us to do here. Number one, depart from here and turn eastward. God's plan gave him direction, told him where to go. Then it told him where he's gonna end up and hide yourself by the brook Cherith. God's plan gave him a destination. I love it. North Star says we exist to help people find their way home and not just a church home, but a home in heaven. This book tells you the way to get to the destination and that's through a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. And then it tells him how to do it there. This is how it's gonna happen. You drink from the brook and I've done this. This word gives us the plan we need. It gives us the instructions. So God doesn't only provide the people we need, but he provides the plan we need. And you look in God's word of what it does for us. 2 Timothy 
3.16 says it this way. It says, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable. And what does it say it's profitable for? For teaching, for reproof, for correction, and training in righteousness. For teaching, for reproof, for correction, and training in righteousness. Look what God's word tells you to do. All scripture is breathed by God. It's his word. And it helps us do teaching. It tells us what is right for reproof. It tells us what's not right. Some of us ignore those. We need to know them. Teaching is what's right. Reproof is what's not right. For correction, it tells us how to get right. And for training and righteousness, it tells us how to stay right. You get in God's word, it'll tell you what is right, what's not right, how to get right and how to stay right. Why do we need that? Verse 17 says that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. We can do what God's called us to do when we follow the plan that's in his word. I want to tell you one of the things that's so amazing about North Star is there's ways you can simply dive deeper into God's word. There's something that comes out every single week called digging deeper. Tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday, they will take the sermon and break it down. There's also foundations classes and sellers talked about small group classes. If you're going to follow God's plan, you've got to get in his word and you've got to obey it. And that's the interesting thing. Elijah didn't just listen He did what God told him to do. So in a crisis situation, God provides the people we need. He provides the plan we need. But I love this one. He also provides the provision we need, which means when he tells us the person and the plan, he's going to give us exactly what we need to do what he's called us to do. Look at verse five here. It says, so he went and did according to the word of the Lord. He did exactly what it said. When he obeyed, everything happened as it was supposed to. Some of you are saying things aren't going the way they're supposed to go. Some of the reason is because you're not following the plan. You're not following the plan. And if you look at this verse six, this is weird. It says, and the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning. Do y'all know ravens are, they usually feed off the flesh of dead animals. So this is a supernatural deal that God would use a raven to take food from one place and bring it to him. If I was Elijah, I don't know, I would have probably, it would have been a little bit too much for me to believe at this point. You imagine, Elijah comes out of nowhere, the very first thing God asked Elijah to do, go stand before the most wicked king ever and tell him stuff's about to get bad. He goes and does it. Then he comes back and he says, all right, here's what I want you to do. Go over here and you're gonna drink from a brook. Okay, I get that, there's water running, I'll drink from there. And I'm gonna have ravens feed you. I'm sure Elijah at this point is like, I don't, I don't know if it'll work. So many of us don't trust that God's plan is gonna work and so we don't follow it and that's why we never get the provision that he tells us we can have. You know, as a parent, we often wanna give kids what we want. It's actually a tough balance for parents, don't you think? Because on one hand, you wanna give kids all of these things, sometimes things you never had but you also don't want them to be a spoiled brat. Anybody struggle with that? I mean, it, it, I remember, and I was a brat growing up, I know this, I remember being in elementary school, and a lot of people wanted these Air Jordans, but I wanted these Ken Griffey Jr. shoes. They were these Nike shoes, and they were a certain, they had like three different versions, but I wanted the one version. And I remember my parents like going to hunt for the certain one. My mom was a saint trying to find this one that was so valuable. Why did she do that? Because she wanted to give me that. She wanted to give me what I wanted, 
God may not always give us exactly what we want, but if we'll follow him, he will provide everything we need. The Bible says that seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added to you. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. So God gives us the people we need. He gives us the plan we need. He gives us the provision we need. And I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on this because Mike is going to drill down in this next Sunday. But I got, you got to see this fourth thing real quickly. God also gives us the promises we need. And I don't want you to walk out of here without knowing this because Elijah did everything God told him to do. He went and stood before the king. And then after he stood before the king, he went and he went to the brook and the ravens fed him. And even after all of those happened, the brook dried up. Look at verse seven. It says, and after a while, the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. Sometimes we get in a season where we've done everything God's told us to do and things still feel like they've dried up. God, I've done everything you've said, but I still got the diagnosis I've done everything you've said, but I've still got the financial difficulty. I've done everything you've said, but the job just isn't working out. I've done everything you said, but my kids just aren't doing what. And it feels like it's dried up in that season. And it's amazing because he followed everything God said, and the brook still dried up. Does that mean God's not going to keep his promises? No, it just means God is going to switch the provider. Verse 8 says, Then the word of the Lord came to him, Arise, go to Zarephath which belongs to Sidon and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. God gives us the people we need. He gives us his plan and his word. He gives us his provision. He provides for us and he gives us his promises. And even when it feels like we're in a season where things aren't going right, God's promises are still true. He's just gonna switch the source. I feel like for me sometimes, I get into a season where there's challenges. I look at what's happening on the news when there's shootings in schools and prices are hitting record highs and there's war in this area. There's just, it feels like there's so many challenges and my tendency is to read this, to be honest with you, and just say, man, God, send an Elijah. God, you're gonna learn this summer some amazing things of how God used Elijah. And we say, God, send an Elijah. God, send somebody. But do you know there are times we're asking God to send somebody else and God may be calling you. God may be calling you. He may be asking you to step up and do it. You, you know, God will provide what you need, but God may be calling you to be the answer somebody else needs. Do you know your Answering your calling may be the answer to somebody else's prayer request. They're asking, God, do something, and he's nudging you, and he's encouraging you, and you just need to move. And I think sometimes we, get, we look and we're like, yeah, but we're not gonna be like Elijah. I mean, this guy comes out of the middle of nowhere and stands before a king and says, dude, this stuff is wrong. But God may use you in a different way. When I speak to business audiences, I'll often to illustrate the power of the potential that each of us have in our decisions, I'll often use a story about a guy named Norman Borlaug. And uh, maybe you guys have heard of him. In most business groups that I speak to, they have never heard of him. They 
they look at me like I'm clueless, but this guy, Norman Borlaug, he's kind of interesting. He figured out how to hybridize, fancy word there, but how to mix corn and wheat so they would grow in arid climates. Some of you kids just got out of school for the summer and said, I don't have time for these lessons. Like, I'm taking a break from that for a little bit. All right, but just hold with me for a second. God had him, this guy, Norman Borlaug, learned how to mix corn and wheat to modify them in a way that they would grow in places that are hot and dry where they never could before. And some of you are like, that's kind of interesting. Well, it's actually fascinating because the guy that most of us have never heard of, Norman Borlaug, because of what he did, they credit him with saving the lives of two billion people. Two billion with a B. That's pretty impressive, right? The guy we've never heard of. They can grow corn and wheat in places in Africa and places they never could before. And Norman Borlaug, they wrote a book about him called The Man Who Fed the World. They gave him a Nobel Prize and say that he saved lives of two billion people. But I heard Andy Andrews tell the story one time that if you actually look in history, there may be some other elements to that story. In fact, maybe you need to go back to Henry Wallace. If you like history... President Franklin Delano Roosevelt had three vice presidents. The third was Truman. The second was Henry Wallace. And before Henry Wallace was vice president, he was secretary of agriculture. And as the secretary of agriculture, he had an obsession. He wanted to figure out how to hybridize corn and wheat so they would grow in arid climates. That was his goal. That was his obsession. He talked about it all the time. He lobbied people. He ends up talking about it so much and influencing so many people that he convinces Congress to give money to set up a station in Mexico to study how to hybridize corn and wheat for arid climates. And Henry Wallace hired Norman Borlaug to run that station. So if you actually think about it, maybe Henry Wallace should get some of the credit, right? Give him a Nobel Prize, say that he helped save the lives of two billion people, call him one of the men who fed the world. Or maybe the credit should go to George Washington Carver. Okay, you may remember what he's famous for, all the peanut stuff, especially peanut butter. He figured out how to do all these things. Very impressive guy. But what a lot of people don't know is when George Washington Carver was in graduate school at Iowa State University, he would spend time at his college campus on the weekends. And when he was there on that campus, there was a professor who would bring his little boy on the weekends. And while the professor was doing other things, George Washington Carver spent time with the professor's son. He mentored him. He educated him. He poured into him, kind of like what's going to happen here at Windshape this week, just investing in a kid's life. And he went outside and he instilled in this young man a love for agriculture and the power of plants to change the world. And that young guy that George Washington Carver spent time with, his name was Henry Wallace, and he became Secretary of Agriculture, and he ended up hiring Norman Borlaug. So if you really think about it, in addition to all the peanut stuff, we should give George Washington Carver some of the credit. Give him a Nobel Prize, say that he helped save the lives of two billion people, call him one of the men who fed the world. Or maybe the credit should go to Moses, Okay, now not Moses from back here in the scripture. This is Moses and Susan. And Moses and Susan were farmers in Diamond, Missouri. And they lived in a state that had slavery, but they didn't believe in slavery. In fact, they spoke out about how terrible it was. And because they were outspoken about their beliefs, it put a target on them. And so one night, a group named Quantrell's Raiders came to Moses and Susan's house. 
They attacked their farm. They burned down their home. They stole their livestock. And that night, true story, there was a lady and a little baby boy she wouldn't let go of. And the group snatched the mom and the baby up and they rode off into the distance. Moses and his wife, Susan, were distraught. Susan especially, she said, Moses, that's my best friend. You gotta figure out how to get them back. And Moses made connection after connection after connection. He ends up finding out the mom had passed away, but the baby boy was still alive. And so he arranged a deal. He said, look, that baby's of no use to you. If you'll please, you left me one horse. I will trade you my last horse if you'll just please give me that baby back. And so they agreed. And on a cold January night, true story, Moses, the farmer from Diamond, Missouri, rode his horse, his last horse, four hours north into Kansas. Met a group of guys with bags over their face and holes cut out for their eyes. And that night, he traded them his last horse for what they threw him in a burlap sack on the ground. He knelt down, opened it up, pulled out a cold, almost dead infant baby boy. It was so cold, he unbuttoned his shirt and put the baby next to his skin. And as he walked that baby out that night, he told the baby how much he loved him, how much he cared about him, how he'd educate him, and how he and his wife would show their level of commitment to that baby by adopting that baby and giving him their last name. And that's how little baby George Washington was adopted by Moses and Susan Carver, who invested in Henry Wallace who hired Norman Borlaug. So if you actually think about it, maybe Moses and Susan should get some of the credit. Give them a Nobel Prize, say that they helped save the lives of two billion people, call them the people who fed the world. Or maybe. (laughs) It's interesting, because standing here today, we don't know how far back we could go, because the truth is, we don't know what decision was made or what action was taken that literally altered the course of humanity. There's times we look and we say, we can't do what Elijah did. But one of my favorite parts is one part of that story is George Washington Carver as a student mentoring another kid. And it paid a part in an eternal difference. This week, there'll be wind-shaped camps here. There may be kids whose lives are changed forever that change the trajectory of this world. Every single one of us here, it doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are. It doesn't matter what situation you're in or you're facing. I believe God has a plan for us and yes, he's given us the plan we need. He'll provide for us. He's given us the provision we need. He has given us his promises but the people we need may be right in this room or might right be online right now. God is asking you, would you step up And do what he's called you to do. Because the other people may need you. And God is calling you this morning. Over the next several weeks, you're going to learn more about Elijah. And you're going to learn how God uses different people. But I just ask you to think about today before we leave, how does God want to use you? How does he want to use you? Maybe in some big ways, it may be in some seemingly small ways, but God is calling you. He's given you every single thing you need. And what I love is we sang this song earlier that said, great is thy faithfulness. The God that was faithful to Elijah, guess what? I've got good news. He's gonna be faithful to you. The God that gave a plan to Elijah has given a plan to you. The guy that provided for Elijah will provide for you. And the God that had promises for Elijah has promises for you today. And you know what? He was faithful then, and he's going to be faithful now. Will you do what he's called you to do? Would you stand with me all over? I'm going to pray, and 
They're going to come and sing. And as they sing this morning, I want to ask you to think about what God is asking you to do. How can you make a difference in your family, in your neighborhood, in your community? How can God use you? God, thank you for this example of Elijah. God, for you providing the right person at the right place at the right time. God, we know that you are a faithful God and you're gonna be true to your word. God, my prayer is that every single one of us would know that faithfulness. God, we'd live into it and we'd have the courage and the boldness to do what you're calling us to do. God, we believe that you have been faithful then and you will be faithful now. So God, use the people in this room and online to impact this community. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.